0: going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Songs That Saved Me. I am your host, Ross James. Hope everybody's staying safe out there, you know. Um, I've been trying to stay as busy as I can, be as productive as I can during this whole quarantine. This podcast is part of it, but I've also been doing a lot of, you know, live streams and internet, music, videos, whatever you wanna call it. And um, I've got one that I'm really excited about because I'm actually playing with a band, a real live band. I had Mark Levy from Circles Around the Sun and Todd Smalley from J.J. Gray and Mofro uh, come on over to the house and we played a Six Feet Apart set on my porch, all Dylan and the Dead tunes. Um, And that's airing on, uh, as part of the Live From Out There online festival this Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern. If you're interested in it, go ahead and go to my Instagram page, at Ross MF James. Click the link in the bio, and you'll see a link to take you right to it. Um, so yeah, I hope everybody is, is doing well. I hope you dug the last episode with Marcus King. It was definitely one of my favorites so far. Um, and I'm really excited about today's episode with Eric D. Johnson. Um, he's from the band The Fruit Bats, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. And it was, it was an honor to have him on the show and get to hear, you know, some of his influences. His music's been a big part of my life, and it's been really cool getting to know him and, and make music with him over the last few years. And he delivers uh, two great performances, some awesome stories, and it's a, it's a really great discussion. So if you're digging the podcast, go give us a follow on Instagram at songs that saved me. Don't forget to leave us a review right here in the Apple Podcast Store. And if you want to become a member of the show, you can go on to patreon.com slash songs that save me and uh, help try to keep this uh, advertisement free for as long as we can. Keep it going, you know. Um, and, you know, just a little heads up. We've got lots of great episodes on the way. I spoke with Andy Frasco yesterday. And uh, all I can say is, holy shit, buckle up for that one. <laughs> um i felt at one point like i was talking to my shrink on acid or something like that he really he's a trip it was beautiful it was bizarre i can't wait for you to hear it so stay tuned for that one uh probably next week without further ado here's my chat with eric d johnson all right eric how you doing man
1: i'm you know i'm doing good i'm doing as good as some people not all people better than probably most people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's always a loaded question these days yeah
0: i know i know where are um, you at right now
1: i'm home i'm home yeah. and it's good yeah I'm, I'm home and feeling thankful for most things but
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah i'm fine under under all the everything i'm doing great
0: yeah um you uh you writing a lot these days i see on the instagram you've been working on a new record is that the deal
1: I'm writing, and I think I'm. I think it's probably likely that I'm just starting on the record to beyond the right. That that this is going to be a some of this process uh, of writing is going to be the actual making of it too. Cool. Um, cool. Which originally it was going to be. I was going out to New York to do that, and that's not happening anymore. So yeah. Um. You know, as with everything, it's a developing situation. So. <laughs> but yes, uh, I I have pretty much a new record written and more where that came from and yeah i'm working on stuff
0: awesome i can't wait to hear it i I know that a lot of people that i talk to are are definitely using the time to to write and since since you know the industry has been tipped on its head or whatever uh i'm i'm hoping that a little bit of the emphasis goes back on the record you know instead of just the shows
1: yeah it's so hard to say i'm like I've been locked down for 40 days as of today, yeah. And um, or is it 40 days? Maybe 41 days. Maybe I'm, I'm not sure. But I, um, I was like, the first couple weeks, everyone was like, "Oh, great! I'm gonna like write a play." And <laughs> yeah, I was right. like, "I'm not gonna do anything." <laughs> like I was, I just felt I was like, "How the hell are these people being all creative all the time?" I was like, "No way! I'm doing that." But yeah. I'm 40 days in. I'm like, "All right." Here I go. Okay.
0: So Well good, man. That's good. It's 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 a good way to pass the time trying to channel it, being creative. I mean, I talked to Carl Denson just the other day and he told me he's working on like a a sci fi novel or something or a script or something. Just like, what are you how how are you doing that? I feel almost there's some days where I feel like kind of stunted and just overwhelmed by the reality at the moment that i can't even like create you know and then the other days i feel like i can really create it's funny the back and forth for me
1: absolutely and i think like yeah if you're a musician you should write that sci-fi novel <laughs> you've been wanting to do. it's it's certainly now is the time to uh to become a multi-hyphenate it. Yeah. to sort to, to to of do all because because who knows
0: yeah. um diversify but, or,
1: or start a podcast like you yeah. did that's, hey, well, that's, that's yeah uh, exactly that's a thing <laughs>
0: Well, cool, man. Um, I'm really stoked to uh, to hear some of the tunes that you picked. I know it's always hard to pick three, but um, when... yeah,
1: I agonized, I agonized <laughs> over this this decision. But I I came up with sort of like a parameter for myself. For okay.
0: What well, was yeah? Well, let's let's jump into it. What what was kind of uh, where where are we starting out today? Well,
1: because initially I was like, oh, th- there were so many songs from a from childhood that mm. I could have picked that were like. I'll just tell you off the top of my head, it was going to be like Another One Bites the Dust by mm-hmm. Queen. It could have been Abracadabra by Steve <laughs> Miller Band. could have been the theme from The Greatest American Hero. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm walking on air.
0: Um, that makes me think of George Costanza's answering machine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I decided to a, more start a little later uh-huh. in the chronology of it. Um, I decided... <clears throat> That there would be a parameter where I, uh, I was, um, I have to remember when I heard it first, mm-hmm. like the first time I heard it, um, oh. or at least have a pretty good idea of that. It's always sort of hard to totally track down from the mm-hmm. past. Um, and then, yeah, and like some of those earlier songs, it's like, it was my parents' music too, and or you're hearing it on the radio with your parents. I wanted, also, these are things that are like more personal, cool. more mine. Yeah. So those were my parameters basically. I love
0: that. That's great.
1: Um yeah. So that was uh so, you know, came up with all kinds of things and then within those parameters I had another million choices. <laughs> so but,
0: but I, that that's kind of yeah. fun like the process. Like I've been doing this, you know, like kind of cuz I I I'm asking all my friends to sort of go through this, you know, agonizing process of just picking three tunes, you know what I mean? And I've been I don't know if I could pick three songs. <laughs> and I'm I'm like the ringleader in this, so I feel your pain. <laughs> well, I, I dig the the parameters that you put in place and I'd love to hear uh whatever the, the first tune uh that that came to mind was that you settled on.
1: So the first tune that came to mind, which was actually the very <clears throat> kind of the first thing I thought of <clears throat> is a song off of George Harrison's All Things Must Pass, um called Run of the Mill. Mm-hmm. Um that I heard, and this this made me when I actually thought about the first time I heard this, it made me go down this total memory rabbit hole of uh of this whole- this this radio station there was this uh small the town where I spent my high school years there was like a small liberal arts Lutheran college there that had like a small really tiny band radio station
0: hmm
1: it was a college radio station. It was, I would not say it was like a college radio station in the cool sense of like, oh, I heard pavement for the first, it was not really that type of radio station. They mostly played like volleyball games, you know, (laughs) of the school or something like that. But they did have, they had a Grateful Dead show. Um. Which which like a local guy hosted, who I also Mm -hmm. bought weed from, hilariously. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) the guy that hosted my local radio Grateful Dead show, which I was like, man, that's a funny weird thing to remember that I've never (laughs) thought about. Um, And then they had this incredible show that, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, why have I never thought of this? Um, That was this like it was a free form classic rock radio show Mm -hmm. that I think went from ten to midnight. I want to say every night. I could be wrong. Uh, It went from ten to midnight. It was a classic rock radio show that was uh, that played like classic rock that that I now know is like the true head classics, like the the deep cuts and the like Velvet Underground songs. And uh, you know, it was like you know you're used to hearing like uh, Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison on the radio, and this is like they're gonna play something off of Astral Weeks or something. It's like the music that I. That's like my music now yeah. that I, that I love. So I'm like, Oh man, that was like uh really seminal. And my, my friend, Steve Quantock and I used to like, we were like stoner high school dudes would like, you could call in and request. Uh-huh. Um, so we would call in and not that, not that they would care anyway, but we would disguise our voice all the time <laughs> Totally, and <yeah. laughs> and see who could like, we would have like competitions who could get the most requests made. And um, anyways, <laughs> It was this amazing radio station. When I'm kind of thinking about it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I heard a lot of songs that are bedrock for me. I probably heard for the first time on that show. I don't even know if it was like a, I don't even remember if it was a single DJ. It might have been. There's a lot about it that's kind of hazy in my memory. But uh, so I heard this song uh, by George Harrison for the first time on that. I had been like a Beatles fanatic, was really obsessed with the White Album, at the time didn't really know about solo Beatles so much. I probably knew wings and I probably knew like the stuff that was on the radio. Um, but I didn't really know about the, the deep dive into solo Beatles. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I heard this song, which is like a great song. I wouldn't even say it's one of my favorite songs on all things must pass anymore. Um, it's one of the, a, all those songs are incredible but yeah. um it's it's maybe like a, a slightly deeper uh cut on that record but it's really beautiful and i think i was driving when i first heard it and it was like one of those where i was like i think this sounds like a a beetle i was like this sounds like a familiar voice but i couldn't tell and it was one of those where you you sit and you wait in the car right for four <laughs> more songs to, this is very like old school you know to find out uh what it was and yeah. it was this George Harrison song and and then um yeah it just it sort of made me think it's just that whole time period of when you're a teenager and it made me realize you know from age 13 to age 20 for me how everything seemed like these epic stretches of like listening to music and I was like man it was only seven years between listening to Poison <laughs> and Pavement for me it was you know like but it, it was not very long but um but uh, yeah, but this. What, I, yeah. what was it
0: about the tune that, like, I mean, when you first heard it, just the, you know, thinking that it was like a, like a Lost Beatles tune, or just the similarity to it, or it, what what drew you to it and made you wait in the car for those extra four tunes?
1: I think for me and for a lot of people, just those George tunes have a mystical quality to them that is yeah. sort of difficult to describe. What works about it, I. I I knew the individual Beatles, and I was really into the White Album, which if you actually think about the White Album, it's always crazy how they always sort of talk about it. It was like multiple solo albums for them, and how much the Lennon songs sound like Plastic Ono, how much the Mm -hmm. McCartney songs on there sound like Ram, um, and how much something like uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps sounds like it could totally be an All Things Must Pass track. They all do. So I... I remember, I I was into the White Album, I remember kind of being drawn to the George songs and being like, ah, George, he's the, he's like the, you know, he's the obscure one or something like that. So this song, I don't know, this song has, um, there's something in the chord progression. It's it's like one of those mystical things that you can't describe. I think all three songs that I've chosen for this podcast are all a little melancholy, a little epic, um, Hmm. and uh, just... um, just something about it. And I also those George tunes, especially when i was just playing it uh, earlier to learn it. Um, I really learned how to play guitar to those songs because they're easy and they're not easy. They're hard. They're familiar, though. Um, and then they have these kind of like they always have a little twist to them that makes right. you think about music a little bit more. That's Beatles are <laughs> yeah. like that in general uh it's deceptively not simple music but it, but it's music that you force yourself to learn so um and i was just you know i was learning how to write songs at the time and everything so um yeah this was just uh i, I i'm not sure what it was this is a beautiful song i guess it was just <laughs> so beautiful i couldn't believe it
0: well i'd uh i'd love to hear you play it if you're up for it
1: yeah let me let me uh let me give it a whirl here
0: cool
2: Everyone has choice When to enough to raise their voices It's you decide Which way you will turn While feeling that our love's not your concern It's you decides
0: It's beautiful. I love those changes in that B section. So cool. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. And there's like the little, there's, he always has the little time signature things too, which I was, I always found uh, confounding, but also kind of like a fun puzzle to (laughs) tackle. But yeah.
0: Now you mentioned that you were kind of starting to write tunes at this time. You You look at him and this record maybe specifically as kind of, a big songwriting influence for you?
1: Uh, definitely. And yeah. I mean, all the Beatles for sure. Definitely Robert Hunter and Grateful Dead songs, which are kind of similar to Beatles songs in that way, where you yeah. you know them inherently, and as you 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 know better than most people, it's a, they're all, they're way more of a puzzle than you think yeah, they're gonna no be. Doubt. Um, and it just sort of it forces you to walk down kind of different hallways. But yeah, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was like a Deadhead and like a classic rock fan and kind of getting into these deeper cuts. And then indie rock was starting to sort of bubble at the surface on the other side. And I, I was not, uh, like, I was a deadhead, but I was not good enough of a player, really, to, like, shred either. So, mm-hmm. like, the, the but the songwriting aspect of it was what I was attracted to, you know? Yeah. Like, sort of, I was kind of coming in through this side door. Right. And things like indie rock were... That It was, like, this uh, this light at the end of the tunnel where I was, like, oh, well, that's, like, probably something I can do. So it was... <laughs> uh, but, again, it was, like, I'm talking about this seven-year span between 13 and 20 where I'm, like, I don't even know what the timeline is. There. I, m- I might have just been listening to, like, a really weird assemblage of things at once, even yeah. though it seems like these epic stretches of, of amazing uh, phases that I was going through. <laughs> so... But I I just didn't, I I was a singer and my friends wanted me to join their band as the singer. And I was like, I don't want to just stand there like Bono or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so I forced myself to learn guitar, but I realized early on, this is, I was probably 16 or something at this time. And it was, I was like, oh, I don't know how to like apply these chords to cover songs yet. Like it Mm -hmm. was just, didn't make any sense to me like where they were like, Oh yeah, learn this pink, we're going to do this pink Floyd song or something. And I was <laughs> like, I don't, how do I do that? with these like five <laughs> chords that I know. So I just started to write because it, uh, I was like, well, maybe I'll just write songs because it was just sort of like a weird necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was like, I don't know how to do cover songs. So I may, I'm probably just going to have to write. Um, so, awesome. so that, I love that. That was, that was kind of how I got started. And then, you know, and then you know you learn you learn a couple more chords and then you get a little better and right it takes a long time
0: where'd you grow up what part of the country
1: uh just outside of Chicago okay mostly yeah, yeah.
0: gotcha well cool um what about uh what about song number two within the parameters here
1: <laughs> so song number two this is uh this is um you know we're gonna fast forward five or six years now into the early 2000s cool. Um, and this is a, this is, this song has a, some special resonance for me because uh, I actually ended up being in this band and this song is New Slang by the Shins, Um which, uh, so I guess that my story with those guys is I, um, I was, uh, you know, living in Chicago, I started playing this band Caliphone, which was kind of a miracle, I was, sort of had been playing in bands but was i didn't really know what i was doing and i was not very ambitious and <laughs> i'd probably played like 10 shows or something like that in my whole life long story short uh-huh. i ended up joining califone we ended up going on this tour with modest mouse um right after they'd been signed to epic were like exploding and so this is my first tour i had barely traveled it's like and float based, on
0: right that big hit that they had right uh, it was before float before on that? it was oh.
1: like a few a couple uh, maybe one or two albums okay. before that i All think right, but okay. it was it was they were they were like a very popular kind of cultish indie band that yeah. were like already they were sort of they were stepping it up to the next level so uh-huh. and this is 2000 so i'm, I'm oh 2000 I'm, okay yeah and i'm i'm like gonna uh this is this is the 20 year anniversary of that tour coming up in like a couple weeks (laughs) um so so i I basically go on that tour i i barely played shows and i kind of get thrown into the frying pan a little bit so anyways um i go on this tour it was crazy and uh so fun and they had sort of like first of three regional openers for the whole thing Mm -hmm. but they had sort of they they were a great band at like it was never like random or it was never like management telling them who to open they were just just like their openers were very curated by them which cool. is cool yeah yeah um and so it was always really great we would have like it was five week tour and it was like once i think maybe once a week or something we'd have like a one week long kind of like regional first of three mm-hmm. opener and um for the stretch of shows that started in new i i remember this you can look up you can look all this up now too so i looked it up yeah, right. <laughs> it was like from new orleans to san francisco the mm-hmm. the like the the regional like opener first of three was the shins um hmm. which i remember seeing in the tour book being like what a weird band name and they were not signed <laughs> this was like before they were on sub pop they were from albuquerque um and they were like you know just kind of part of this like scrappy little weird Western indie rock circuit that Modest Mouse had been kind of part of. So, um, anyways, they, uh, I hadn't really like broed down with any of the first of three openers too hard, um, but then when those guys showed up, I, the, I can honestly say like it was like one of those moments of just being like, I saw them win kind of thing on that first show. Right. I was like, holy shit, what is this? Like, just songs were crazy. You know, like obviously was only a few years away from being one one of the most beloved bands of their day. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was like, yeah, it's it's one of those rare instances where I really can say, like, I saw them and I was like, oh, this is really good. Um, (laughs) And uh, we totally, we got along super well. um, And they were like, I was kind of just starting to write my own, uh, or I was obviously uh, had already had bands and stuff of my own, but was really like just starting to be like, I need to really do my own thing. And it was this fruit bats thing that I was kind of working on. And I was like, Oh, they're kind of like in my zone a little song wise. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, we got along and they had, they didn't have records, but they, they had put out a record like a CD or something. Maybe it was like the year before. I'm not sure. Like 1999 or something. And it was actually a lot of those songs from the first, uh, shins record. Oh, inverted world. were on there. Um, they had like sold out of it so they had just burned it as cdrs <laughs> and they had xeroxed copied the album cover um so rad. and they were just like selling it for like 5 bucks or something right. they they basically they didn't have merch um i remember their <laughs> instruments were wrapped in towels oh um, my god so <laughs> but uh it was great it was just like really scrappy so i still have that cdr awesome. that, that they gave me you know, it was just the total like, "Here's my CD, man" kind of thing, yeah. and then we just kind of kept in touch. Uh, this was like not this was pre-social media, but we kept in touch like you know, email sometime I guess, Hotmail, uh-huh. right. <laughs> and yeah, totally. uh, email and and phone calls sometimes, and then within I I later learned just in the history of that band that they it was like that last show in San Francisco, Jonathan from Sub Pop came to the show and, and like signed them or, or was the process begun for them to get signed to sub pop. Yeah. And, uh, so then they did and we kept in contact and like, they kind of, they were pretty instrumental in getting us signed or me fruit bats signed to sub pop as well as was Isaac from modest mouse. But it was just like Mm -hmm. the people I met on that tour, we all kind of like stayed in contact and helped each other out or they helped me. (laughs) I didn't really need (laughs) to help them, but, um, (laughs) So, like, flash forward. Yeah. So, but on that CDR was a song called When You Notice the Stripes, which actually was renamed then New Slang. Um, And that was the. They signed with Sub Pop for a single. And that was the single, which is really weird because that song is like a little bit of an outlier in their catalog, even Mm -hmm. though it's their most, probably their most famous song. Um, It's a bit of an outlier in the catalog. It's way folkier. um, And the album was way more like kind of zombies like meets smiths kind of like 60s pop 80s meets 80s or something yeah um but that song i i listened to it i think i had listened to the record but and maybe that song didn't pop out right away or something but i remember um i was living with my girlfriend at the time who also was playing i was playing music with too and she was like did you hear that when You noticed the Stripes song on there? And we, like, sat, listened to it, you know, in the apartment. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and, of course, that song, like, lived on because then it was like that came out as a single, then it was on the record, and then they did well in an indie way on that first record. But then, famously, the Natalie Portman movie came out where she says this song will change your life. Right. Which was, like, <laughs> it seemed like at the time... I was like, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> um, but how do how do things work that way? But like or where they're just like, Yeah, if a fictional character shouts you out in a movie, it's gonna make you huge like uh yeah. and I was like, Nope, that's the only time that's ever happened in history. <laughs> um so but uh and it was incredible and it completely it made them go from like indie stardom to like even bigger kind of mm-hmm. thing and then i was selling merch for them for a while
0: <laughs> oh wow
1: yeah and then and we were just friends and then yeah. in like the late part of 2006 they w- i had and then i played a little bit on their record i did a little bit of singing on the record i think i maybe played some keys and in like late 2006 they were looking for like a just a fifth person kind of a auxiliary person who could sing those good high harmonies, and mm-hmm. I ended up joining the band. And it,
0: I had no idea. Yeah, That's crazy.
1: And then, so I played with them for four years, but that, and that was, like, again, one of those, like, changed the course of my life, truly. It was sort of, I didn't have to have day jobs after, it, it really was, like, I sort of became, like, a professional musician after that, right. um, and it was, uh, it was on the record Wincing the Night Away, which was, like, on the Billboard chart. It, it was crazy. I did... It was like the next step of doing these really crazy things. And uh, I had, I loved new slang, that song. I had always sang this like harmony along to it that was not on the recording.
2: Hmm. And
1: so when I joined the band, I was like, I have this harmony that I sing. Uh, And um, (laughs) he's like, do it. And so I would sing that harmony every night on it. And, uh, (laughs) and I think like now, in the like subsequent lineups of that band, they still do that harmony, which they I think that, is cool. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, I played mo- a lot of keys in that band, sometimes guitar, and I actually had to play the guitar solo on this song. Um, ah. And we played uh, on Saturday Night Live, um, <laughs> and uh, which was weird because they it was kind of the classic. They actually had us play this song. I think it was maybe like the SNL people. They were like, you got to play that song, even though it was not on the record at all yeah, that we were promoting. Right. Um, so w- we played that, and uh, I was really obviously very nervous. I'm not really a guitar solo guy, um, but this guitar solo that I play on it, it was very like written, you know? Like I, yeah, yeah. It was not like I wasn't just like loosely shredding it or anything. <laughs> it was like if I lost my place on it, I would be gone I was gone you know like but uh so and then I had to play it on SNL with like a cameraman right in front of my fingers um but it all worked out and I'm then, gonna watch it as soon as we're done here yeah sure. it's on it's on like the it's on like Hulu or something um, Sweet. but I uh, and then the next like five shows after that I screwed up that solo like it was like I had saved all of my <laughs> you, you did it when it counted though man I did it when it counted um I had saved all my mojo to not Badly screw up the guitar solo to a oh. modern classic on SNL.
0: Um, How crazy is that, man? Is a Xerox CDR and instruments wrapped in towels to Saturday Night Live? I mean, like what? That's, that's yeah, it, crazy.
1: It was really crazy, and it was like you know, it was I was, you know, in a way, it was kind of like not my train, but it was just I loved that I got to yeah. to join it too, and it was um, yeah, it was like I got to. You, a lot of bucket list stuff on those tours. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just playing that song every night. Um, I never, I never got sick of any of those songs. And that song is uh it's truly a, I mean, it's a ma- it's a total modern masterpiece. Like I st- still, still mm. to this day, you hear that song, you're just like, God damn, it's really, really good. Yeah. Like, like maybe one of the greatest songs of that generation. And, the, like it, it will, it's in the pantheon for sure. No
0: doubt, and the fact that it got the the credit or the recognition that a song like that deserves, which often doesn't happen, you know what I mean? That's what's so cool about it too.
1: Totally, it's not like oh, they wrote one kind of weird song that was poppy and went on the radio or something. It's like right. no, it's in a way, it's kind of like the one of the more pure kind of like songs of that generation that's just uh it's just a very simple little song it just just hits in this this really simple kind of beautiful way but yeah it was it was really like i truly felt honored every night to play that song where i was just like it's one of the greatest songs i ever written i get to to (laughs) sing my funny little dumb harmony that i came (laughs) up with singing to singing along to the cdr
0: oh that's so awesome man i love that story um well, cool. What about what about uh, one more tunes a little bit later on in your life?
1: So, this one, so this uh, the third one is like this is a much deeper cut than uh, I keep using the word deep cut. Sorry. No, um, this that's is, like all I listen to. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> this is this is a uh, this is a real deep cut that um, that uh, my buddy Andy Kabick, who you know from Vetiver, um, yeah. he hipped me to this song, and Andy's like the he is truly the the fount of you should you should talk to him on this podcast. Actually. I was ju- that's a
0: great idea. His DJ sets, man, talk about deep cuts. Oh yeah, I mean, and
1: <laughs> he's he's really like, it's not just like, oh, I got this friend and he's he's a he knows about cool music. It's like he's he's way beyond yeah just your friend that knows about cool music. He's <laughs> he's really uh, he's really um, a scholar and yeah and he's a guy who truly has like. Found stuff um, where he's like he's the guy that found it. You know, I mean, obviously it existed, but he, he's the guy who finds a some private press record at a junk shop, right. goes through every single track and finds like unearths some gem. Um, yeah. So he's I, like I can't. He's he's a guy who's had a huge influence on me just as far as like hipping me to stuff. Mm-hmm. and obviously making his own fantastic records and I've played sure. in his band as well. And yeah. we've been friends for a long time. He's one of my best friends. And, um, so a few years ago, um, I want to s- I think this was tw- in 2015 actually. Um, I was, uh, I'll occasionally jump in the van with that guy and play in his band. It's always really mm-hmm. fun. A playing his great songs. And then B it's incredible. Cause you get to drive around in a van with him and have yeah. him like DJ for you. <laughs> right. Um, and he played us this tune that uh, by the singer Archie Fisher um, called "Mountain Rain," um, and it was uh, so. You know, this is five years ago. I was how old was I five years ago? Thirty-eight. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, where you're just kind of like, there's nothing, there's nothing new that can blow my mind, man. You know, you're this, <laughs> uh, and uh, that was like probably the last song i heard where it was like the first time i heard it kind of thing and um i can totally remember i was in the van with him i've often been in a van with that guy hearing the songs for the first time but uh, archie fisher was a scottish uh, or still is still is alive actually He he's a scottish i i think he's probably kind of a legend in scotland and i'm this is um i'm probably going to be paraphrasing a lot of things and sort of uh this is my Slightly half-assed internet research, but um, yeah. <laughs> but he's, uh, he, he's a Scottish, uh, f- quite traditional uh, singer and songwriter. Um, and uh, really sort of upholds these very kind of ancient Scottish traditions of ballads and things like that. Um, he was a, a DJ on BBC Scotland, I think, for a long time. Um, hmm. He was a folk club owner in Edinburgh back in the day and was kind of running around with the same crew is like incredible string band and a lot of that scottish kind of psych stuff that i love um but he was he himself i think kind of stayed a little more on the traditional tip um so he made this record in 1970 called orfeo that um a a lot of his songs are just very traditional scottish songs They're, they're beautiful he's a great singer and everything um, and an incredible guitar player. I think he may have maybe taught Bert Janch guitar at one point. Oh, wow. He's kind of like a, he's a real like, you know, I, I, I think he's probably a household name in the like Scottish folk circuit, but mm-hmm. new, he was new to me in 2015. Um, has this record Orfeo um, that's a—I think seemingly a little bit of an outlier record for him that is like, uh, you know, not quite as traditional, but there's a song on there Called Mountain Rain, which is a song that Andy played me, and it is um, it's a perfect song. I think it might be <laughs> perfect, um, and uh, I I can tell you that because like we, we he played he he played it and was just like, and Andy's pretty like he digs stuff, but he's not like effusive. He's like, uh, you know, he's heard it all kind of thing, and he he was he was like, this song is incredible. Um, played it for me, and then. A little while uh a little bit fast forward in the future i was doing this alone and together tour with like sam cohen and joe russo kevin Morby, yeah. josh kaufman we were driving around and i had like i'd been obsessed with this mountain Rain song so much that i i listened to it when i after i first heard it i listened to it like twice a day every day for like a month <laughs> um and then I was like, maybe I'm crazy. And then I hadn't listened to it in a while. And we were on this tour just kind of like driving around listening to things. A, it, this song is only a, like on an MP3. I had like a, It's like an MP3 rip of vinyl that Andy right. had. And then right. it's it's on YouTube. It's not like streaming anywhere. I think I may have just like streamed it off of YouTube or something in the van, like on my phone. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But I was like, check just this song it. out.
1: I was like, man, this song, like a little while ago, I listened to this song uh, like three times a day for like a month or something and uh then i was like maybe i'm crazy and i played it for everybody and it was like they were preschoolers or something where they were like again like after it was done and we listened to it three times in a row in the van um so yeah it's um he was you know made these like scottish ballads but this song is like a western um and and you'll I'll, I'll play it in a minute here but it's a western um where he was he was obsessed with American westerns too so it's this kind of scottish interpretation of an american western story cool. it's like this yeah. morality tale it has 3 acts in it that are glorious um it's like the it's like the lyrics are almost like stage direction uh uh-huh. in a screenplay or something um there's not a there's not a wasted line and it, it also just kind of is a beautiful uh shows you how those like old folk tunes of the British Isles and stuff and like cowboy songs and American folk music how it's just like it's all so of a piece in a way because he's he's singing it in this thick Scottish brogue um, but it's this western song I'm gonna sing it I don't sing it as well as him um <laughs> I I urge anyone I, I urge you and anyone listening to go just find mountain rain by Archie Fisher it's on YouTube um, yeah he also plays it Kind of how Janch and stuff, um, how those those like uh, pickers from over right. there would do. Uh, it's all detuned, you know. Like um, it's like in standard tuning, but it's detuned with yeah. really thick strings on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is
1: usually for like finger picking, ripping, you know. But he's strumming it like a cowboy song, so it just sounds really cool and gnarly. Oh, man. Um, and the recording's really cool, but mm. um, but yeah. Anyways, this song is, uh, in my humble opinion is a perfect song. And hopefully I will do uh, a little bit of justice to it.
0: Sweet. Let's hear it.
1: Yeah.
2: We came down from the mountains in the rain And a buckskin's dried On a warm and a windy plain When the horse is tired With the hat rims pulled all low across our eyes. And the dusty town lay before us in the setting sun. Turned a bloody red on the barrels of my scatter gun. And your Henry rifle hung behind your saddle bow. And my hands were sweating. And my blood ran cold And we circled round Put our backs to the sunset rays And we moved through town In the shadows in the alleyways And we hitched our horses Round behind the grocery store And you hit the street and I covered from the grocery door. And the cards were drawn in the barroom poker game. But the playing stops when they heard you call the dealer's name. And your shadow falls like a carpet to the barroom door. And it crossed my mind that I never killed a man before. A frame in the doorway made the call, and your rifle flame, and it crumpled up against the wall. And you took it slow as you backed up down the street, and I saw you throw a dollar at the. We tasted the mountain rain And the man lay dead In the town we're left behind And my pappy said Son, I know you're not the killing kind But there comes a time When the thing just must be done It's a dying crime When a gambler slays my eldest son
0: Man, I wanna hear it again.
1: Yeah, I barely do it justice. <laughs> Wait till you hear the recorded version. It's uh
0: I mean you do it pretty good. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out the original for sure. It's it's was...
1: lower the original's like uh <coughs> it's like detuned, you know, and he's mm-hmm. got a richer kinda like Scottish voice too. So um, right, yeah, yeah. and it's like one of those songs where I was like, I'm not gonna play that one. That song's like twelve minutes long, but it's not. It's like three minutes or something, but it's so epic. Yeah. Um Sort of, I yeah, I was like, oh, this, it's not twelve minutes I at mean, all.
0: I mean, every line in that song. Yeah, yeah. Just like, you know what I what I dig about the tunes that you picked? Um, it you know they all seem to be inspiring to your craft. I mean, am I kind of right? Like, like you're you're. It sounds to me like you just keep wanting to write and keep wanting to write songs and make them better and better and better and And all these tunes you picked are are kind of perpetuating that, you know?
1: You're definitely right. And I – probably for better or worse, depending, I have the tendency to always want to listen to something that I can take something from. Um, Yeah.
0: No, I I, – yeah, I think a lot of people do.
1: Yeah, which is like makes me – it also – it makes me be like, I need to listen to hip-hop more or like metal or something, you know, like other genres where I'm like, well, maybe – which, and it's not to say I couldn't, you can't take things from that either, but um like uh, it's, I, sometimes it's like I, I like to move myself a little out of my comfort zone too, mm-hmm. um and surprise myself a little bit too, but, but yeah, in general it's all just like, uh, it's all part of the songwriting education, um, is that kind of stuff that you want to feel connected to it in some way. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's so cool, man. I can't, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this with me. i got to tell you, uh, Mouthfuls was like a record that I would consider saving my life. So to get to, do, to have this discussion with you is a pretty cool full circle moment for me. Oh, it thanks, a lot. man. For, for real. Like, uh, so I don't know. If anybody hasn't listened to Mouthfuls by the Fruit Bats, you should go do it right now um and anything by the fruit bats for that matter (laughs) uh i I really do appreciate it man yeah man thanks
1: for having me this is great i love i love uh i love this podcast it's great
0: (laughs) right on (laughs) um well i'll talk to you soon all right man. okay sounds good all right take care okay be well there you have it my uh chat with eric d johnson from the fruit bats I hope you dug it, and if you're if you're liking the show, if you want to learn more about it, if you want to check out the songs that are featured on the show, go give us a follow on Instagram at Songs That saved Me. Please uh, don't forget to leave us a review here in the Apple Podcast Store. You know that helps out with the old uh, algorithm on the iTunes gets more folks listening to it. <laughs> um, and if you want to check out a, a set of real live music that just happened this week. Don't forget, uh, Sunday night, 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, myself, Mark Levy, and Todd Smalley playing all Dylan and the Dead tunes live on my front porch here in Denver. It'll be on as part of the Live From Out There Music Festival, uh, which you can find out more about at livefromoutthere.com, and there's a link in my Instagram page at RossMFJames. Go ahead, click that link in the bio, and you'll see a link that'll take you right to it so you can check out more information on our set. Um, Thanks for tuning in, and stay tuned for more episodes of Songs That Saved Me.